0: Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trusilla from Somerset NHS and I'm joined by my friend and colleague.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Coop. I'm a GP by background but moved into medical education and have worked for Medical Protection Society and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Delighted to be here.
0: Thank you very much, Sarah. And we're really pleased today. We've got a title of the Somerset Interfaith Roadshow. And here to tell us about it are Janine Evans and Anne Fulton. Janine and Anne, please tell us about yourselves.
2: Um, Hi, I'm Janine Evans, and I'm the Interfaith and Belief Coordinator for Somerset Diverse Communities. Hello, I'm
3: Anne Fulton. I'm the Spiritual Care Coordinator at St Margaret's Hospice Care, a very inclusive role. (laughs)
1: Fantastic. So Janine and Anne, really great to have you um, today. Could you tell us a little bit, we know that the Interfaith Week is the 13th to the 20th of November and that's happening nationwide. Why are we holding this week? Janine, can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Okay, so um, I think the most poignant um, uh, point to go to this week is that we have our first um, Uh, Asian-British Hindu Prime Minister. And so um, just from that perspective, to hold an event where the entire country is able to learn about the various faiths and beliefs um, that the people in our communities practice uh, is a really great starting point. But historically, it's also been about um, acknowledging that Britain is a, um, and the UK in general, is a place of varied faiths and beliefs, and that if we want a cohesive society, um, we need to understand each other.
1: Yeah, great. Anne, is there
3: anything else you want to add about what Interfaith Week UK is? Uh, well, I agree, obviously, with everything Janine says. Uh, my particular focus is from the hospice world. And every year, Hospice UK reminds us of this week. And so it's fitting, I think, that um, St Margaret's Hospice, along with healthcare partners in Somerset, that for this occasion, we are behind, we've, we've uh, had the impetus for uh, initiating this week.
0: That sounds fantastic. And I, in our title, we've put the word roadshow. So what, what sort of events are happening in the week? And tell us a bit more about the plans.
2: So from my perspective, we have quite a few events going on. But from um, the health perspective um, and working and partnering with um, NHS Somerset Trust and St. Margaret's Hospice, uh, we have an event in a library in Taunton. Um, Yeovil and Glastonbury so we're trying to reach as many parts of the county as we can during that week and so that's why we've called this particular uh, event the road show because we are actually traveling from each place uh, where we will have a variety of um, people that you can meet talks you can listen to uh, activities for children um, some spiritual healing and a variety of other things.
0: And I was just going to ask, is this from a bus? Is it from a double-decker bus or is it in a town hall? What what sort of venues are you using?
2: The libraries. So we partnered with the libraries, which is, I think, a fantastic initiative um, from the library's perspective um, because um, especially now when we're all trying to, you know, worry about our energy bills, um, they're, they're putting themselves forward as warm places. And so, you know, they want to have a variety of events that are welcoming to everybody.
1: Wonderful. And Do you want to add anything else to that? What else are you hoping to do in that week?
3: I think we really hope that as well as uh, people reading the posters and uh, hearing this podcast, that uh, you will come and join us across the county. But if you're in Taunton or Yeovil or Glastonbury on these dates, please, please come and pop in. Come and find us. Um, Come and be curious uh, about what interfaith and belief week is about because I think this is the first time in Somerset we've held an an event such as this
0: that's great and we'll make sure that the the exact dates and venues are on the program notes on the website so if anybody listening wants to check that out that's that's great um why is it the first time in Somerset this is happening are we are we are we a bit slow and behind the times in Somerset or are we uh, are we ahead of the rest of the country what's what's the big picture on this
3: I think our celebration in Somerset is Janine's appointment. And this would not have happened without Somerset Community Council appointing an interfaith and belief coordinator. Uh, And we are so, so grateful that Janine has stepped up and taken this leadership and actually enabled us to fulfill what's been my dream uh, for eight years since I've been at St. Margaret's.
2: And I also think um, uh, the funding for my role has come from the Somerset Council, and I do believe up until about 2012 there were some fairly active interfaith groups, but the person leading them left. Um, And so my role really is to identify and partner with various um, groups around Somerset um, so that eventually they won't need me. Eventually they will have built their own network and their own support system and will engage with each other and continue doing this um and um and so that's that's really where it's come from and somerset's also a very rural um insular kind of place i've discovered um, that people kind of stick to their own patch um and so to create something that is going around somerset and engaging everybody as many as we can in somerset um i think is something new
1: Yeah, and I can just say how passionate you both are about this and have had this as a vision, which is great to see it come to fruition, isn't it? It's really exciting. Julianne, I'll just start with you. What are some of the benefits that you really see of sharing knowledge between people of different faiths, different backgrounds, whether religious or not religious? What are some of the benefits that you hoped will come out of this week in Somerset?
2: um well i think from a personal perspective um you know in difficult times often people are isolated uh, we've certainly had the terrible isolation of the pandemic worldwide and people are isolated and so to give people um um A permission in some way, I guess, to acknowledge that their faith or their belief is something that, you know, can perhaps sustain them, that perhaps they can get on a Zoom call with somebody else that they don't know to have a discussion about this. It opens a whole avenue of engagement that perhaps people have not thought about before, people haven't had the confidence to engage in before. So just in that respect, because we are feeling slightly isolated, it's a way of opening up topics for people to become engaged around new conversations. It's also a way of dispelling myths and misconceptions so that people don't have to live in fear of what they seem to be the other, um, that they actually recognise what they seem to be the other is their doctor, their baker, their butcher, their teacher, um, and, um, and also to um, really emphasize that we can't make assumptions about people. Um, So, you know, we kind of make assumptions that people of different faiths or beliefs are very different from ourselves. They look different, they speak different, they eat differently, and that's not always the case. We do not know as we stand in the supermarket who we're standing next to. Could be a Buddhist, could be a Muslim you know, could be a pagan. Um, And so um, uh, it's very very important for the general public who are not engaged in this type of work to have an opportunity to engage and to understand and to really make themselves feel comfortable about what they may be slightly frightened about because all they know of people from other faiths and beliefs is what they get from the media or from Hollywood, which is not often good.
1: Yeah, just in terms of thinking about the, uh, the
2: benefits of people coming
1: together. So there's a community benefit there, isn't there? That sharing knowledge that so raises people's awareness, um, actually helps people who have been isolated. So when we think about the links with um, emotional well-being as well as spiritual well-being, um, I don't know if I can just bring you in here. What are your thoughts around when you've heard Janine talk about the benefits and the things that she hopes will happen? What are your thoughts around the sort of the links between what what her vision is and her dream for for the Interfaith Week, but also the benefits for emotional well-being?
3: Absolutely. I I think Somerset is becoming increasingly diverse. um, And the more that we can actually uh, showcase, perhaps showcase one or two things people might be a little bit apprehensive about. Um, Do people have questions? Um, We do hope that people who have questions Will come, come and come and see. The other group that we would love to come and see are the children um, and the schools. We haven't this year uh, been able to involve schools in a big way, uh, for, partly for practical reasons. But we are in touch with the Standing Advisory Council on Religious Education, and uh, they are really enthusiastic for us. So I would like to say that if uh, there are any teachers listening or schools who are interested and would like to come on board next year, it would be fantastic if you either look in or get in touch with us uh, in some way, because we hope this will not be the uh, the only uh, faith road show for Sunset, that we need to build on this.
2: And we can also, I mean, if there are any teachers or religious education people or heads of departments and educational places um, that want to come along, you know, I mean, it can be part of their professional development um, and they themselves can come along while we, you know, probably not able to facilitate in time school groups. um, Certainly those people connected with school groups can come this time and learn about it and give us some feedback about how to engage school groups next time.
0: Thank you. That's really interesting. Can I
2: pick up a couple of
0: themes that you've mentioned and just give a, a slight personal comment, but also leave some questions? So, um, the diversity is fascinating because I grew up in Somerset. And I have to say that in the 1960s and 70s, I'm sort of giving away my age here a bit, um, born in 1958, very good year, um, um, there was not a lot of diversity. But interestingly, one of our one of our big employers in Somerset in the NHS, the Oval Hospital, has probably got the most diverse population of many hospitals around the country, uh, which is really quite interesting. Um, and just moving on to the mo- point that you made, Janine, about other it is interesting how other becomes fear and other puts people into tribalism and other has been used down the ages to stigmatize, to cause all sorts of problems. And yet we know in five ways to well-being that the first one is to connect and to connect to others. And we know from modern physics that actually everything is connected. So perhaps Another human being other is actually in another aspect of of our human race of of who we all are together. and it's it's togetherness. I, I, those are sort of some wayward thoughts and I'd be very interested in any comments you've got on those. Uh. Um,
2: yeah, I don't think that people ourselves other each other. I think it is the forces around us that other each other, um, you know, politics, media, um, you know, Hollywood. I think wherever money is concerned, people become othered very quickly and easily. Um, I think that people, you know, um, uh, build on um, which are natural fears. When you don't know and you don't understand something or someone that's new, um, it, it's a natural position to be slightly um fearful or wary of it. And then when that is built on for other people's gains, you know, the powers that be, whatever they may be, um, that uh, that kind of feeds into you and it doesn't give you the confidence to actually go out and find out, well, is that actually really true? Uh, you know, am I being fed by Hollywood about this particular group? Is it actually true? Um, you know, and maybe it is true of of that group, but it's not the rest of the group um, and that the rest of the group is actually waiting to be Engaged with um, is is longing to be for someone to put their hand out and say you know let's let's go on this journey together um, and I think also the difficulty in Somerset is that it is rather isolated. I I'm um, I've only recently moved to Somerset and so it's um the the dif- the difficulties of actually bringing people geographically together is something that um um that needs to be. You know, addressed. And I think people generally, when they get to their little patch, they like to stay in it. Um, and so to try and draw them out. Um, and that's of everybody, you know, whatever group you're with, it seems to be how people in Somerset live.
1: That's really interesting, Janine. So thinking about removing some of the barriers that might exist, um, either physically or subconsciously and um, where people haven't come together perhaps from different um faiths or different perspectives and just making it easy and making it safe for people to move towards each other in that connection and community i guess if i was somebody who was going to come to one of the events at the libraries what might i um experience so if i was coming on my own i might feel a little bit of anticipation or um, apprehension about it how could you reassure me about what it'd be like and what what would happen in in that sort of event
2: um uh, well, uh, we have children's event, children's colouring in and craft making. We have uh, Buddhist meditation. We have um, spiritual energy healing. Um, we have uh, a talk by a Muslim who happens to be me. So I will talk about. Um, you know, brief talk about the Muslim faith and how I practice my faith daily. Uh, we have um, uh, another lady who's lived in Afghanistan, and she will talk about you know living in a society other than her own and and the challenges and the joys that uh, that she faced. Um, so there's um, there's a there's a we have a living book which um, is a Baha'i lady where you can actually come along and borrow her for 10 or 15 minutes and have a conversation with her, either about faith or not, about her grandchildren, about really whatever you want to talk about. Um, so we have um, uh, we have a variety of things, I think, kind of from everyone. We have a short film that's being made where people of different faiths are um, uh, you know, going to be uh, talking briefly about about their own faith and uh, and how that impacts their daily lives. So there's there's quite a lot going on, um, and uh, and I think once you actually get there, there'll be so much for you to do that you'll forget that you're afraid and alone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that sounds really interesting. Like I said, there's a real menu of different um, activities, aren't there, and something really for everybody there. Just from your perspective, this is just your own opinion, what do you think people will find in common with each other who come from different backgrounds and different faiths? What do you think people might go away thinking, oh, I hadn't realised that, for example?
2: Um, Well, first of all, I hadn't realised Muslims look like you, sound like you, (laughs) Um, uh, you know, uh, the Buddhist gentleman that we've got as well. Is you know a white man from Somerset, so it's just those physical um, aspects that people will go oh, you're not how I imagined you to look or speak or engage. Um, but also just some very basic things about um, various faiths and what we have in common rather than uh, what we don't. So what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Um, and, um, and I think just the general feeling and the atmosphere of people willing to talk about themselves, their work, their aspirations, their joys, their fears um, uh, is, is a great space to be because you don't often engage that kind of welcoming environment where people are happy to speak to you about themselves and ask about yourself. Ask about you and find out about you. So it's a conversation um, that that we're really wanting to start to happen. Um, And uh, and I think that, you know, uh, if we start these conversations in schools, it's a really good place to start because people who are in minorities, um, you know, feel empowered, um, don't feel isolated. And people who are not in minorities learn how to be welcoming.
0: Thank you, Janine and Anne. What would you like to add on to that about what people what what's being learnt uh, as life skills, and also anything from the hospices' point of view?
3: I mean, I, I think uh, we have a real a duty to um, encourage our young people to be uh, interested and curious in the world in in the widest sense, um, and the opportunity to uh, engage with people of uh, this term that we've used, the other. Um, in our own locality, surely that is the the very first place to start. On behalf of St Margaret's, I, I would like to say one particular thing. St Margaret's Hospice Care is now a movement across Somerset. Uh, we have two buildings, but the building is not the hospice. Our community nurse specialists are out in and across Somerset, and we are particularly seeking to enter. Those places, uh, those groups, minority groups, uh, who perhaps are not quite sure what a hospice is and perhaps would like to engage with us, but not quite sure. Part of our involvement in this week is particularly to reach out on behalf of St Margaret's into those corners to encourage people to, to, uh, as I say, come to us and to ask questions about what end of life care is Because it isn't always, uh, a hospice isn't always what people expect it to be. We are about life and living, and we particularly want to encourage and empower everyone in Somerset to live life to their fullness of whatever faith and belief.
0: Absolutely, and it's fascinating. Thank you so much for saying that, Anne. It's fascinating that as human beings we share so many values of, of respect uh, of kindness of of do unto other, others as we would be done to ourselves and I, I read a fascinating book recently called the Air we Breathe which really brought home to me um, uh, that actually an awful lot of the culture that we have these days uh, certainly in Britain but uh, across much of the world is actually based, upon what happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, And that is really interesting that there's a backdrop uh, of, we haven't mentioned Christianity yet, but Christianity behind quite a lot of cultural uh, norms and cultural expectations. But what's so important is that whatever faith we should choose to have or whatever faith we don't choose, choose to have, we are all part of the same family. We are all hardware beings with software Sorry, hardware bodies with software beings, and um, there's a there's a Somerset resident who who writes considerably about topics like this called William Bloom, who lives near Glastonbury and writes. And he, I love his definition of spirituality at its core. And William Bloom's definition is spirituality is connecting to the wonder and energy of life, connecting to the wonder and energy of life transcending faith, uh, but particularly uh, remembering what's maybe quite important. I'd be very interested in comments on what I've just said, please.
2: Um, Yes, I I think that's that's really true. And when we face difficult times, it's... It's what we have inside. It's what we either follow as as a prescribed faith, or our own belief system, or a way of living that the people around us are engaged in. Um, it's the thing. It's our it's our core that that really helps us through these difficult times. And in times when we can't be connected, or in times when we're forced to be connected to go out and find a warm space because of our own energy crisis, um, it, it's a, it's something that that is within you and needs to be fostered and grown and nurtured, um, and to find that within the other person, um, no matter what they believe or don't believe, or I mean, everybody. And that's why we're the Interfaith and Belief Network, because everybody lives from some central point of belief, whether it is, you know, um, an ancient one, or whether it is some set of values that they and their family and their communities um, live by. There's something that actually drives us.
0: Thank you. Anne, did you want to say something then?
3: Uh, NHS research absolutely endorses what Janine's just said, that uh, it is if when we uh, have our own sources of strength to draw on and uh, those things that we can fall back on uh, when life gets tough. And if we can uh, recognise those and um, inculcate and incorporate those into our lives right from a very early start, I think it's a really good um, way of of falling back during the whole of our life. And particularly, as I say, uh, at the end of life, when the chips are down, that we have our our meaning, making our sources of strength and um, our belief and values in the very widest sense.
0: Thank you. And amidst the turbulence and noise of our busy, buzzing, doing lives... If we can take a moment just to be still within, and perhaps as long as you're not driving the machinery at this moment, if you're listening in, perhaps you'd like to put your feet flat on the floor and allow your spines to be comfortable and just take three slow, regular, rhythmic breaths using your tummy muscles, using your abdominal muscles. If we allow ourselves to find a place of inner stillness, perhaps actually. Things aren't far away from us. We're actually starting to touch that that well of spirituality. That that uh, those aspects that are around us, but we can so easily become disconnected from. Sarah, last word as we come to an end.
3: I just wanted to echo
1: Anne's um, point you made a couple of of comments ago just around even in the hospice you know embracing life and living it to the fullness and you know that can be difficult we don't always have easy lives do we I I saw a lovely quote that said difficult paths often lead to beautiful destinations and I think it's just you know finding things that really give us meaning um, and give us like you say that strength are uh, what connects us as as human beings and and yeah there's so much that you've said today for both of you just really want to thank you for coming on to this um, podcast today and for sharing your plans and your vision and your hopes and dreams for the interfaith week and just really yeah hope that it goes it goes really really well thank you
0: thank you and Janine we'll put some notes on the site is there anything any last word you'd like to say
2: um just because just that there are events going on and one really big one is a tree planting day with Exmoor Coastal Project in minehead a family day um so if you go onto our website which we'll give to you you'll find the booking form there so it's also about you know connecting with the earth as well
0: thank you so much thank you very much indeed janine thank you very much Anne. thank you sarah it's great to have all of you listening to us and thank you for joining us on this really important topic bye bye everyone you've been listening to the somerset emotional well-being podcast hosted by Dr. Andrew Tricider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.